We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Rooney's podcast. This is episode 249 of The Pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Plenty to get to here on 249. We got a Masters recap coming your way. I don't know if we can call it a Masters Mega Recap. It doesn't have the same ring as the Masters Mega no. Pod, but uh, a big shout out right off the top to Rob Gallick for coming through with some uh, with some with some uh, fan art, if you will. We'll call it fan art yeah, uh, for the last like. episode. Um, it set us up for a beautiful Masters, and uh, that it was. We also have some early season baseball talk. We're also going to preview some NBA playoffs and the uh, punch in the in the gut that awaits the Bulls. Yep. But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? You know, it's always a bittersweet day when we do this podcast because I love recapping the Masters with you, but also it means the Masters is over. And yep. it's just like, you know, you spend, you, you usually see that first Masters commercial on ESPN in like February, I feel like, because they usually start putting out the commercials a little bit before before you guys do at CBS, but then you start seeing them for the NCAA tournaments, like we're getting there, we're getting there, and then just like, boom, it's over. It's over before Yeah, but it also, it, awesome. it, also signifies, it also signifies the beginning of major season, so I don't it have does. that same, like, That's fair. I get it, I get it, like, we want, we want the Masters to, we want the Masters forever, it's that magical place, and those magical moments and i think that what's really interesting i mean before we even get to the tournament side of it is that with camera technology and with the way that things are broadcast and sort of the inside baseball side of things we get to see so much more now too like it's Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a completely different experience we got some new looks uh thanks to cbs and espn like angles that we haven't seen of the golf course that sort of uh that sort of really define, uh, or not define, but really offer you a picture of like when people say, oh, you don't understand it until you're on the grounds. It's still that, but we're starting to understand some of the undulation and we're getting mm-hmm. looks back up holes to, to sort of uh, give us a little bit of that context. And I think that both ESPN, CBS, Masters.com, Paramount Plus, everybody involved here gave us a really good look at it this year. And on top of it, we had a, an amazing tournament and the hottest golfer in the world won. So I think that uh, a lot of the boxes were checked here, including uh, getting a look at Tiger. It, it sort of was what we expected it to be in terms of he gave us one round to chew on and then um, the body sort of day by day uh, deteriorated, if you will. Um mm-hmm. Matt, we can start wherever you like here. Your lasting image of the 2022 Masters will be what? Well, you started Tiger, so I'll start there. Um, okay. We kind of didn't know what to expect from him, and I, it was it was awesome getting that first round, seeing him in the uh, seeing him come out in the pink. I don't know why, but it just was like the, the, just the brightness of the shirt. It led to even more of like, oh my god, like that's Tiger. He looks. It was amazing. sort of like a, It was sort of like a like the shirt in and of itself was like a, I'm here. I'm back. Like yeah, I'm, I'm here. Not, there's there's no laying low. All right, I'm wearing neon. I'm, not, I'm wearing a neon I'm, pink mock neck. You I'm not wearing watch. a white shirt, black pants. Like I'm here. I'm here. I'm here in bright pink. I'm here. That's watch it. me. Uh, but like, I, first off, great to hear that he's he's playing in the British. That's kind of what we expected, and where we almost you know where we expected him to make his return. But good to, good to hear that he feels healthy enough after this that he's pretty comfortable in saying he'll be there. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. 
where he kind of feels about it or if he thinks he might have underestimated for it or if it, it, his goal was just get there and like you know let's 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 get this in and let's play and let's accomplish that goal but like he looked pretty good to me for the first two rounds and then yeah like you said the second round at times like towards the back nine you can kind of tell that he wasn't fully great but he also like he battled some really tough wind conditions that day that on a day that a lot of players struggled with the exception of Scotty Scheffler, because Scotty Scheffler's playing a completely different game. It seems right now. Like I, I thought he can em- completely emptied the tank to make the cut, but like through those first two days, like he was looking pretty darn good. I mean, there were uh, the, the first round, especially like obviously he finished the one under, but the, the second round, like he was around there. He was just showing more tournament rust to me than it was like, Oh, his knees hurt you know, or his leg hurt. He's not walking all that well. Like there are a few up and downs that tiger in mid season form probably picks up easily. I forgot which hole I'm, uh, I forgot which hole I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of in my head, but he had like just off the back of the green and he had the pin kind of back left and he had what was pretty, pretty easy chip. And he just kind of launched it a little bit and didn't make the comeback. I'm like, that's an up, up and down that Tiger gets. And then obviously the, the, the crash kind of came after the weekend or in the weekend, excuse me. But he kind of gave his post round interview after Friday. And I remember you know, they were saying, Hey, how are you feeling? He's like, well, felt, yeah, felt better. Laughed and, felt yeah. better. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it was, again, if it was like underestimating it or if it was just, you know, the, the combination of tournament golf and the course kind of got to him, but good for him. He emptied the tank to make, to make the cut. He wanted to make that cut. And I think after that interview on Friday, you could really tell that was his goal. And I don't know, seeing the, it's been said a million times, but seeing that smile on his face, walking up Sunday at Augusta, like that, that looked like the guy who was a guy who felt accomplished and felt like, all right, like I'm I'm ready to go again. Like this, this is good. This is a great first step. Like let's, let's get going again. Yeah. I don't know if I'm there. Um, I did observe a couple different things than maybe that you did. Um, it looked like I totally agree with, um, your assessment of Thursday, Friday. It was a guy who, and I don't think that his four rounds were all that different. The scores were drastically different. Um, Mm -hmm. like what did he go? 71, 74, 78, 78. 71, 73? Was I think it? It was 70, or maybe it was, yeah, I think, I think he was... Because he was one no, over. No, he might have been 74. Because one, o- one over, was, so yeah, would have had to be 70. Yeah, because he was 71, 74, that would have been it. Yeah, so the scores were drastically different. The golf he played was not. On Thursday, he made everything. He literally got up and down from everywhere. He got up and down seven times on, uh, on Thursday. It was not, not a... Bad ball striking clinic. He struggled off the tee. He was making his putts. Um, It sort of flipped in the sense of he was dialed off the tee the next three days pretty much and striking the ball decently well. But when he was missing greens, which was often, he was not getting up and down. He was missing the six to eight footers that he was making on Thursday. That was the big difference. Body did deteriorate. What I'm pushing back on you here and what I don't agree with is that what I saw out of Tiger was that we're not going to see a lot more Tiger. And that's not just this year. I think that's forever. And we've been around people and uh, not to name names, but we've been around people who have undergone cataclysmic lower body injuries, like life-changing lower body injuries. And a couple come to mind to me that when you break a leg with that severity, you forever walk differently. Your, your kinetic chain forever um, performs differently. And we are talking about a 46-year-old man with mm-hmm. reconstructed knees and a few 
his lower back and a man who's walked to hell and back and been through the fire. I don't know how much better physically Tiger can get. Maybe his game can get sharper and he can understand his body better. Maybe he can mentally get stronger, but I don't know how much better it gets for Tiger Woods physically. I don't know how much more Tiger Woods we get to see after this week. I don't want to be negative about Mm -hmm. anything that we saw, but it did tell me, it did give us an idea of where he is at. And I don't know how much better he can get from that place that he's currently at physically. So I, uh, to me, it was just a soak in this moment in the sun, in the sunset, because it might be a setting sun. Yes. We're going to see him at St. Andrews. It's going to be a flat walk. Mm -hmm. Maybe he can contend because of what's asked of a golfer there, but he's not going to Brookline and playing from that rough. He's not going to Southern Hills and beating Scotty Scheffler and 20 other guys who are in peak physical shape. It's just not happening anymore. And we we know that that is the goal. The goal is to play the majors and maybe a couple other select tournaments and just live my life. I don't even know if we get that because of how selective he's going to have to be with where he can test that leg. I don't know if, I don't know how many more masters we get, Matt. It was, it was hard to watch at times him drag that leg around with him. And I think by Sunday for me, it overshadowed, man, it's just good to have Tiger out there. I think Thursday was the excitement of, oh my God, he shot 71. Can he mm-hmm. actually keep this thing under par for the week? And then it was all day Friday was him vacillating from God. He's got to worry about the cut line to gosh, he's only four back. Good God. He's got to worry about the cut line. Gosh, mm-hmm. he's only five back. And then on the weekend, it was Saturday. Hey, don't worry about the number. Just get it around there. The putts aren't falling. It's fine. And by Sunday for me, it was just get him up the hill at 18 because the guy that walked, it was it was a lot all in about a two-minute time because he climbed that hill at 18, he grinds over the par putt, he mm-hmm. knocks it home, he gets the ovation, and by the time he gets to the top of the hill at the back of 18, it was done. Not just around his body. He could not drag that leg around anymore. I, that was the worst we saw it the entire week, and I think that Tiger was putting on a brave face for much of this. I think this was so hard for him physically and mentally, but I just don't know how much better he gets physically from here. You know, I I think everything you just said there is is totally fair. I think the, I I think his goal is, and I I didn't mean to say like, we're going to see Tiger all the time. I, I, when I was, was saying that like, Oh, he's back back. I think my, my, in my head, his goal is the, we'll try and play the, it might not, it's obviously not going to be this year because I think, as we saw playing this weekend was still a stretch for him physically. He came back probably earlier than he should because he wanted to play the masters. And like, like that, that's just, think about that's it. what he wanted think about to it. do. If he was targeting, if he was either targeting mid July or the first week in April, that's a huge yeah, difference. Like, like but, yes, and, and, he will, his rehab will have him in a different place by mid July. I just don't know if we ever see him look like it doesn't hurt, you know? That's that's uh, that part. I don't totally disagree with. I I, just, I, I think we'll have. Uh, honestly, it's probably premature for for us to be talking about this either way right now because he did come back too early for this. I think we probably will have a better feel for him after St. Andrews, kind of where he's at, how he looks walking that course. Um, but just uh, and maybe part of him wanting committing to St. Andrews right away is because he knows it's probably the last time that he'll be at St. Andrews. 
who, who knows in five years when it's back at St. Andrews, if he will. No, be like, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think the rotation I, is, I don't think it's back at St. Andrews for like 15 years or something like that. Oh, really? I thought, when, yeah. when did they stop doing every five? That's, I don't think travesty. it's a stop. I'll get that information right now, but go on. That's travesty. Um, well, then it would really make more sense for him to just be like, yeah, this is the last time I'll have a chance to really do it at St. Andrews without being really old. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think there's, he, like we talked about before the Masters, he doesn't, come back to play just to play and be out there. Like he, I, I truly think he's only going to play if he thinks he has a chance to win. And I, I think his rehab will be in or should be in a completely different place in three months. And we'll, we'll kind of see where that's at. And, and I think he'll, he'll gauge that, but I, I don't know. I'm not, I, it, it looked a little bit painful, obviously at times for him, but that's also because he came back months too early, months earlier than anybody expected us. Joe, before he said he was coming back for the masters, you and I were debating like whether or not he'd be, he'd be back this year or yeah. if it would just be next year's masters. So I, I totally see where you're coming from and I don't fully disagree with you that it might be kind of the end of seeing him look normal ever again, but I don't There, there were just, I'm not ready to do that yet because this was such a premature comeback, even pretty much admittedly by him. I'm ready to give it some more time. And I, I I don't know. I, I, I saw some good things and I, maybe it's my, my tiger fanboy nature, but like, I'm not ready to, to say he's totally 100% like just playing for pride. Now I I think there's a chance in the right situations, of course, like I'm totally with you on some of the hillier walks on some of the thicker roughs in the U S opens. No, he's not going to have much of a chance. But uh, I'm not saying, not ready to say he's completely dead yet from winning Augusta or winning a British Open. So the the lens that I'm looking at it through is that he is that it's winning. I can't is, blame you for that. By the way, winning is winning is done, and without winning being the motivating factor, I don't know how interested Tiger Woods is in what happened this week. Like, obviously, he loved it. This was in itself a victory. But I don't know if Tiger Woods comes to the realization at some point to say, I really can't. My body's not allowing me to contend with these guys mm-hmm. uh, at at most places. What do I what is left for me here? Because he is driven by victory. He is driven by being the last man standing. He admitted that coming into this tournament. And once you realize that that is no longer an option for you, well, then it's either coming to terms with your purpose, a different mm-hmm. purpose out there, or it's just going and living your life. And, and I think we're much closer to those two latter things than him winning anything in in any sort of capacity. Because look at look at what we got. And I think this is the perfect time to transition to the actual tournament. Yeah. No disrespect to Tiger, but no. to those at the top of the leaderboard. Look what happened to Rory McIlroy this week. He shoots a record final round of 64. One of the coolest things we've ever seen him holding out out of the greenside bunker on the 72nd hole. It was probably the ovation of the weekend. Morikawa follows follows it by holding out. It was probably the high point, like Tiger notwithstanding, Scotty notwithstanding. That was the high point of the week right there. And it doesn't matter because there's somebody out there who's 25 years old, who's won four of his last six starts, who cannot be beat right now. And I'm not saying that Scotty Scheffler is going to maintain that level of play, but there are a lot of Scotty Schefflers nowadays, guys who can go out there and be four better than the field on any given weekend. Tiger's not beating that. Tiger's not winning there. Tiger's not winning at Jack's place. Tiger's not winning at Arnie's place. Somebody's going to go out there and blitz the field every week, or two or three guys are going to go out there and blitz the field every week. Tiger doesn't have that gear. 
um, he's not going to be able to do that. I think that it's, I think that it's got to be the perfect intersection of venue and opportunity, somewhere where the score is going to be no lower than eight under par mm-hmm. as a winning score, um, where he can grind it out with everybody else. But like, if it's a birdie fest, ah, I don't know. Unless it's the Zozo and everybody's making birdies, him included, because it's wide fairways and gettable pins. Like, I don't know that he goes to any one of these major venues or um, top tier tournaments. The players, Jack, Arnie, um, the tour championship in Atlanta, like places that truly test every aspect of your game. I don't know that he can go there and play with the Scotties and the Dustins and the Rory's and the, uh, and the Cam Smith's and the Shane Lowry's and the like, and these dudes who can go out there and just throw it at the thing. Tiger has to overcome so much before he can even think about shooting under par. I, I don't know. I, I, this to me was more than any one of the injuries. This moment to me was okay enough for me not for tiger like not Mm -hmm. like i don't want to see it anymore but it's i am good i'm good with what tiger has given us 2019 i'm satisfied 2019 was the stamp yeah 2019 was the stamp it was the i'm i came back i did it i won it this is a different type of comeback i i don't think that we can put the pressure of victory in any aspect out in front of tiger anymore Uh, i I don't think I'm ever going to a tournament expecting him to win again. I just don't like until he hangs them up officially, as long as he keeps putting against Yeah, but what does that mean? What does hang them up mean, Matt? Because it's like what you said. I, we've talked about this before. Arnold Palmer was 75 years old, didn't drive her off the deck at his tournament. Like, we might yeah, well, see some I of that think, type stuff. But see, like, I don't think we're going to see. I think what we talked about before the tournament, Tiger, and we talked about it, like, Tiger's not going like, Tiger's not going to be one of these. Maybe Augusta is a is a exception because it's Augusta National. But like Tiger's not one of these guys that's going to put him out, put himself out in spots like going forward that he doesn't think he can win and he doesn't think that there's a chance. I guess we're kind of spinning around, like kind of saying the same thing here. But that's that's but, the point. But I guess when what I'm saying is, I do. I, I I think we're going to see him few and far, but like in spots that are very few and far between. Obviously, like we have the last few years, probably even fewer and far between now. But when he said, like when he's going out for a weekend or when he's going out for a tournament, I, I just knowing Tiger Woods and the way his, his mind operates, I don't think he's going to go into a tournament thinking I'm just going out here to play. I think he's going to go into thinking he's out here to win. But like, I, I don't know. I, that's that's why we're I, close to the end. That's why. Say, sorry, say gonna, that, Joe, Joe, say that again. You broke up a little bit there. No, I said that's why that's why we are close to the end because yeah. I think oh, he's I, very I close. He's very close to the realization that I can't win on this tour anymore. Um, it was it was fantastic, fantastic to see him out there, and it meant so much to the guys. It meant so much to him. It made so much to the patrons. It meant so much to the fans at home. It was everything we could have asked for, and I don't think we can ask anything more of Tiger beyond what we got. This past weekend, it was it was an amazing scene, but um, that I can agree with. I will never ask for anything more of Tiger. I just every time he's out there, I'm obviously going to watch and hope that he plays well. I think that's kind yes. of what I'm saying. Yes, and that's should we, um, should we get on to the actual winner of the tournament? Yes, Scotty Scheffler continues his hot. Well, we are a Tiger podcast. I know, I know, I know. Scotty Scheffler continues his hot streak uh, by slipping into a green jacket. So that's 
the waste management that is Arnie's, Arnie's place, place. That is uh, the WGC match oh, play, yeah. and that is the Masters in a seven-week span, eight-week span. Um, four, it is four, four of his last six starts. Four of his last six starts, yep. Um, it is the hottest hot streak since Jason Day in 2015, and then prior to that, the hottest hot streak since... 07 Tiger, 01 Tiger, 2000 Tiger. So Tiger's done this type of thing so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, go back and look at 2000 Tiger, the season. It's like 1 1 1 1 1 5 1 1 2 1 1 3 1 1 1 1. It's ridiculous. But nonetheless, so Scotty Scheffler um, ascends to world number one after the win at the match play. And then anyone who questioned that, he essentially just stamped it here at the Masters by. Uh, opening up a five-shot lead into the weekend, taking a three-shot lead into Sunday, and then it was very interesting. He makes an unbelievable par save at the first, but Cam Smith still throws a dart right at it, makes birdie, cuts the lead to two. Second hole, gains another stroke on him, leads down to one, and then they're both sitting down there in the little hollow left of three, and that was the Masters moment right there when he – skipped one into the bank and hold it for the birdie complete swing. Uh, Cam Smith makes the bogey. It was number three, but it was like, Oh, okay. That was when we look back at this tournament, that will be the turning point um, in which he regained momentum. And really from that point on, just swatted everyone, kept everyone at arm's length. It was, it was another masterclass. And I think that's what I was most impressed by, by Scotty was his short game. He got up and down from some treacherous spots throughout the week and made it look just agonizingly easy. And it's not, um, it was, he's a worthy champion and it was a, another, uh, another really, really solid performance. And people will call it a hot hand or a hot streak, but if you look at his numbers last year, he was sort of trending towards this. He's gotten better and better and better and some amazing numbers last year that didn't add up to wins. And then he goes out to the Ryder Cup and absolutely dominates, including a four and three win over then world number one, John Rahm. Like we kind of like we kind of shouldn't be as surprised by this mm-hmm. as we are, because maybe we're surprised by this because of Scotty Scheffler and who he is, like the public persona he puts on. It isn't the most exciting thing. It isn't the most captivating thing. So maybe we were selling him short, but like just pure golf, like no one's been better for the last year, really. It's, it was, you were talking about three and it was just so incredibly impressive. Like even before those two, those two, uh, the two chips, the obviously the one, the win in for Scotty and the Cam Smith where you end up making bogey, the shots before that were honestly like even more impressive to me, like, or frankly, in terms of Scheffler, more telling, I should say, not more impressive. Uh, Scheffler was kind of in the pine straw and didn't really have much of a shot. Like he just kind of had to bail out and go up there and ended up coming, you know, coming up just short, but where with, from where he was pretty decent shot. Cam mm-hmm. Smith was in a place to put himself to, you know, put himself with a, you know, 10 footer for birdie and he hits the wrong shot, comes up short. I think that kind of ended up being the story of Cam Smith Sunday, but like right before then the momentum starts to swing because you have a chance to, you're you're down a shot. You've won you've won birdie birdie. He's gone par par. This, that lead has gone from three to one within you know in, in two holes at Augusta. How many times have we seen uh, you know a first time leader at Augusta on Sunday struggle those first few holes and give it away? Yep. It was trending towards that moment, and Cam Smith had a chance, and then he just completely you know, came up short, made the exact same mistake Scotty did, except Scotty did it from the pine straw. Um, 
So that for me was even almost as telling. And I know he made Cam made birdie on 11 and then obviously going in the water on 12, but like the birdie on 11 was almost like manufactured drama for me because Scotty wasn't going to really give it away. And I didn't see Cam Smith making, you know, playing 12 through 18 at four under par. But that's why, you know, I kind of like tip of the cap to Cam Smith here too, because he knew what he had to do. He knew he was three back heading into the most pivotal portion of this tournament. And you can't fire at 12. Like, it's just, you just can't, like, it's a 155-yard shot, but going directly at it, there's really, unless you're, like, hooking one in there as a righty or cutting one in there as a lefty, like, everything about that hole says come in from the left side, you know, try and, like, try and cut spin one on the ground from, Mm -hmm. like, the middle of the green towards the hole, and that's not the way there. Like, if you want to stuff one, you essentially have to, like, hook spin one in there and come in over the water. And that's what Cam was doing. Like Cam was aimed outright trying to close the face on one and put one to two feet. Like that mm-hmm. that's what he was trying because he knew he had to he had to make birdie there. He had to make birdie at thirteen. He had to make birdie at fifteen. He had to steal a birdie at sixteen, seventeen or eighteen. Like he had so much ground to make up that it wasn't yeah. like, all right, let me hit it to the middle of the green and take my medicine here like everybody does when you just want to like get past number twelve. Like he he pushed his chips into the middle of the table and I respect him for that. This this to me was not the Spieth collapse at twelve now. No, Spieth no. Had no. Five, Spieth had a five shot lead. Um Cam was chasing three. This wasn't but, Molinari um, and Fino going in the water at twelve correct, in that group of Tigers. Um I think that uh you know it was it was you know it was the two hottest golfers in the world in the final pairing on Sunday at the Masters. Like, that was all that we could have asked for in terms of what this tournament can give us in terms of a Sunday. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a putt with the with the Masters on the line. It wasn't a one-shot affair with three to play. Like, it wasn't that, but it was the two best golfers in the world right now going up at it, like going at each other and exchanging blows because, you know, Cam's won twice this year already, including mm-hmm. a win at the players in which he went right at the pin on 17 to win. So um, for him to have in the back of his head, let me gun at this pin. I don't blame him one bit. I don't blame him at all. I we Obviously, Scotty was incredibly impressive and has been incredibly impressive. I guess I want to give you like a buy or sell because I think now mm-hmm. that it, it's pretty clear to say that we've had two guys now kind of added to that already group group that we've talked about on this podcast of like the the next wave of elite of elite stars and like the guys at the top of the game it's, it's pretty safe to say that scotty and, and cam are in that group now along with you know the rory's and the and the you know djs and whatever of the world is this run by scotty one like we've seen in the past from a from rom at times from dj at times where he's up and then he's going to kind of come back down to the field and somebody else is going to step up or do you think like this Scotty, obviously he's not going to keep winning at a 66% clip because that's just completely unsustainable. But like, is Scotty the best player in the world for the foreseeable future? Or is this a, not that he's ever going to be bad, but like, will, will he kind of come back to the pack of, you know, elite th- 11 or however many it is we're calling it? I think this whole, and I think it's a conversation we've had on the pod before, but I think the whole With idea several different of, golfers. The whole idea of world number one and the way we sort of look at that has changed. It has Mm -hmm. to. It's not, hey, I'm the guy to beat. Because on any given weekend where 10 of the top 20 in the world tee it up, any one of those guys can be the best golfer in the world. Any one Mm -hmm. of those guys has that gear. Like any any tournament where 
John Rom, Cam Smith, Scotty Scheffler, Dustin Johnson. Um, I want to include Rory, but it just doesn't feel that way. But like this, this elite echelon of golfer, they're all the best in the world. Like they're, yeah. they're, they could all, they all have number one type talent. So when Scotty does inevitably slow, when Scotty does inevitably cool, it's not to say that he's not the best player in the world. It's just to say that there are other guys who are just yeah. good. Um, and, and I think that that's, uh, that's why it's so hard for these guys to, to carry this mantle of best player in the world for any longer than a couple months because your hand cools, someone else gets hot, and mm -hmm. um, that's just the nature of the game these days. Like, Scotty Scheffler could say, you know, that's it for me this season and win player of the year. He's got four victories in a major. No one else is doing that this year. Like, yeah. unless someone does something completely just ballistic at the Tour Championship and essentially, like, Let's say somebody wins the PGA. Let's say Justin Thomas wins the PGA and then wins three of four events in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, maybe mm -hmm. he's the guy. Um, but a Masters, a, a Waste Management, a WGC, WGC. event, an Arnie place, that's <laughs> a pretty complete season. Like, I don't, yeah, yeah. You, could say, you could say world number one, world number two, world number three. It's one of the best seasons already of all time. It's one of the best single seasons of all time, Tiger notwithstanding. Like yeah. mm -hmm. a second, a second major would make it a historic season, but it's already like one of the greatest, one of the great successful seasons of all time. Yeah, and oh, by the way, that second major, the, the, the next major is at his self-proclaimed favorite, favorite course in Southern yeah. Hills. I don't know if those futures are out yet, but I, I would like to maybe grab a Scotty Shuffler ticket. Yeah, um, you're already going to be you're already, already going to pay a, 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 lot a, a public price on that. So. Um, <laughs> I don't it's, know if Scotty's. I, I know we, we keep reiterating this a lot on the podcast, but like it, it's entirely true. Golf is in such a good spot right now because they're like it's just there's so many good players out there. It's not the days of Tiger, Phil, Ernie, VJ, or like that's it. Like the, it was those four, and yep. maybe every once in a while you get somebody come out of absolutely nowhere. But like, man, there are. 20 legitimate golfers going into the PGA or the masters are like, yeah, like he's, he could absolutely play well enough and beat anybody in this field. And it's yeah. just, a, it, it makes watching those for the casual golf fan. I think it makes watching those non-majors even more fun because you have such good players out there. And it's just, I, I'm very excited about where golf is at and adding Scotty Scheffler and Cam Smith, who's like having one of the more under the radar great seasons or great start to the seasons because of what Scotty's done ahead of him. It's, it's a really fun place for golf right now. It is. Um, and I think that Scotty Scheffler deserves all the praise in the world for what he's been able to do over these last couple months. I think it was really interesting. I'm not sure if you heard his comments after about um, what he was going through prior to the round. He said Sunday morning, he cried like a baby and told yeah. his, told his wife that he didn't know if he was ready for this moment. And that right there, that vulnerability, that peek into the mind of a premier athlete and what he was going through, I found very interesting and very raw and, um, and very forthcoming by a champion because, you know, it's a different type of champion these days. And it's a different type of young man who's comfortable talking about those things and, mm -hmm. and not pretending like it's just a, I'm going to rip your head off every single Sunday and you got to come catch me and this, that, and the other, like, Scotty is in no way um, a perfect golfer, you know, like he does, he swings his own swing. He does his own thing with his back foot slip and, you know, saving it late with the hands sometimes. Like, yeah, that quick uh, turnover is 
that's something to be like, yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> that's like it's a wow, lot when he turns it over. Lot. It's a lot. Um, but, uh, happy for him, happy for that moment, happy for his family, happy we got to see Tiger, but, um, there were some disappointments. Uh, That's what I thought you, there you go. Who was your your biggest disappointment this week? Was it a missed cut? Was it someone who just kind of shot themselves in the foot? Like, I, you know, there were, there were, I mean, there's definitely all of those to be a John Rahm is a name that pops out to mind. Obviously Brooks pops into my mind. I'm, I don't know if you cried. You know what? Can I say something here? Rahm is a crybaby. Rob's oh, a crybaby. He 100% is. He's a fiery Enough, Spaniard, dude. Joseph. No, 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 no. It's, it's not fiery anymore. <laughs> I know. I it's know, a crybaby now. I know. He, it's, it's almost like he plays into it. Like he, he, like he bought, not, I don't want to say well, it's not a, it's not a persona. It's not a persona anyone's buying into. No, he feels almost more comfortable doing it now because it's become more commonplace, but that's not where I'm going with my big, my biggest disappointment. Um, it's hard for me to call a top 10 finish a disappointment but I'm pretty disappointed in Justin Thomas's round Thursday. Like he played Definitely. great the rest of the weekend, and like he, he, the night of the rest of the week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he played fantastic, and he played really good golf. Um, but coming out and just laying an egg in, in, on Thursday and shooting that opening round 76 on a day where the weather wasn't like Saturday was the was the bad weather day. Friday wasn't terrible. I just I was I don't know that that, that for me was was very disappointing, a little bit inexcusable, and we thought we were gonna give Rory some crap like we always do about, you know, firing the, the, the unbelievable Sunday round when he's completely out of it. But like, it's almost like JT kind of gave into the pressure a little bit of, of being that heavy fate. I don't want to say heavy favorite, but I feel like people were, everybody was talking about him as a, mm-hmm. as a top favorite on Thursday. And he went out and laid an egg fire to 76. And like, and it shows after having a 76 on the car, I believe that's what it was. day one, right? Having a 76 uh, on the so. card, he still finished in the top 10. It shows you how good he is and how difficult the field was this year, but how good he or the, the course was, how good he is. And that's just, to me, that's a, that's a disappointing, again, disappointing top 10. Sounds a little bit contradictory, but for him, that's a disappointing top 10. Most definitely. And I think that you bringing it up in, um, you know, you bring it up relative to Rory is interesting because, you don't want to be there. Like Rory, no. Rory has a couple majors that are, that can kind of satiate his struggles at majors nowadays. Justin doesn't. You know, Justin's got Justin's got the PGA. Justin's got he's he's kind of he's kind of just he he doesn't have the trophy case to lean yeah. on yet for mm-hmm. us to say ah you know disappoint like he's still got to go out there and get a few and we expect so much of him because of his talent that it is disappointing when he doesn't put himself in a position to win but i think he's very much um he's very much in that rory category where their sixth gear is unbeatable it's just not being able to get to that sixth gear four days in a row or three of the four days like there's there's a day where they both idle and shoot a four over five over round and you're cooked against these types of fields. Um, it's just where, it's just where reality has been for Justin Thomas the last 10 or so majors, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's so that one for me was just, we expected so much out of him. We keep saying he's going to get one at Augusta and I really do think he will, but like at some point something has to click for him. Because yeah, you only get you only get one of those a year. So how many does how many does a prime Justin Thomas have left? Ten, fifteen, mm-hmm. twenty tops. Yeah. Like that's that's not a lot. That's not a lot of opportunities. You can't you can't take any one of them for granted. Um, I was definitely disappointed in JT because of the uh, high hopes I had for him. But I'd say yeah. that it's important that we. Uh, 
that we put Brooks in a perspective. Too. Yeah, that, that was just, the next guy. Oh, didn't bring his putter to Augusta. Like it, he essentially couldn't make anything outside of a foot. Um, it was it was so disappointing because now there's there's guys like JT who kind of speak softly and carry a big, big stick, and it's disappointing in that sense. But Brooks is this loudmouth, um, sort of bombastic, brash figure who yeah. can can talk it and walk it and. Hasn't been walking it. He's that's not that's a big disappointment when when uh, it's another guy who inevitably seems like he should be in a green jacket someday. Like there's just some guys who you see it, like Justin and Brooks. And um, I'm getting there with Will Zalatoris. He seems to just like every time he, seems he comes to love out to Augusta, he just plays amazing. Um, if he can even putt average one week, he's going to win one. Um, like there's certain guys who you just like feel like should win one. And then it's an immense disappointment when they don't. Um, and I think Brooks is headlining that list right now. Uh, I, I think that was the clear far and away, I would say top disappointment this week. Uh, JT was the one for me because I think we had such high hopes for him. But it, mm-hmm. it's hard to call a top ten finish more disappointing yeah. than, especially with how like Brooks started out pretty pretty well. If I like, he was at two under or so on uh, on Thursday, I think, and then just completely kind of collapsed, especially on uh, on Friday. So that one for me was very clearly up there. It's hard for me to call Jordan Spieth too big of a disappointment. I know he missed the cut, but like. I don't know. It's hard for me to, he's so volatile that like, it's almost kind of what you expect. Like he's as capable of winning the masters as he is of just not having it off the tee and completely missing the cut. So like, I don't really know. I I love watching him. He's my, I think the the most exciting golfer to watch on tour because of that variance. But like, it's hard for me to say like, I'm super disappointed in Justin, in Justin, or Justin speed, Jordan speed, not making the cut. I think that Jordan is lost at sea again. I think that it kind of feels like it. I think that two years ago um, he sort of went away, and then he has progressively worked his way back. And then last year it was like, oh my goodness, Jordan's contending. Jordan's winning mm-hmm. things. Jordan is back to being Jordan. He's not. He is still tinkering. He's still trying to figure things out. The pre-shot routine is just agonizing completely yeah. agonizing for i'm sure for him it's agonizing to watch it seems like he is not in the best place mentally about his golf game um that he's still tinkering and trying all these things it's like dude you found it last year you found it you were back like you were contending you had the game like why did we need to go through a full swing overhaul because right now he looks like a guy who who's not comfortable in his own body swinging the golf club and you can't win from that place. Like that's just not, it's just not possible. I think obviously he started out so young getting the masters and like jumping up and being one of those guys. I I think what we're kind of seeing is he's just going to be as streaky and volatile as a player like throughout his career. And I just think we're going to go through these stretches of, Jordan's in his own head. He can't figure it out. He's, you know, for for years at a time, maybe not like three years at a time, but like a year or two at a time. And then something in his head is going to click. And like, you you can see he's trying to find something with that pre-shot routine. I don't know why he keeps doing it. It can't be helpful, but something in his head is telling him that it works. He's just, he's a very mentally, I don't, I don't even know if it's fragile, but like, involved involved. involved. there you go (laughs) maybe if he can figure out how to not be as mentally involved and leave that to his caddy but like it's at some point something's going to click with him and it's going to start working on the course and he's probably going to win a major or two again and then he's going to 
something's going to click back or the off season. I feel like the off season after he's playing well is his worst enemy because he wants to keep tinkering with things. He, he's the, probably the king of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like he's trying to fix things that weren't broken, but right now he's just, he's in a lull. I do think at some point again, he'll figure it out because he's so incredibly talented. He has, he, he's as talented of a golfer as there is out there. I think we'll see him back at some point, but right now this is just, this is the life and the like career of Jordan Speak. We're riding the yeah, wave. He, he, he just looks just looks like he needs to simplify everything yeah. at this point. Everything's and, just getting a little too yeah. granular. Um, and I, I think he'll get there. I, it's just this is this is the wave of Jordan Speak. I, I fandom. I'm a, I'm a Jordan Speak fan. I love watching Jordan. He's as fun as the guy as there is to watch on tour. He makes being an everyman golfer like relatable. He's just us yeah. on the most talented scale ever he, he scrambles he doesn't hit the driver well he sinks random putts he shouldn't and then sometimes he's missing those but like we're, we're riding the wave he, he's down right now it might not come back this year but at some point he's going to be back up towards the top and then he'll be up there for a little bit too um uh, i know you got a heart out here matt so a couple of honorable mentions uh shane lowry five under really golfed his ball this week had a fantastic uh final round of 69 um, he's becoming the guy that's just there in every major. Yeah, he, he, he only has to win there. at Portrush, but like, he, I yeah. swear to God, there is a there is a time during every tournament where he's either out of nowhere on Friday or Saturday, like go, you know, birdies so so many holes in a row, and he's oh, Shane Lowry's tied for the yeah. lead. Shane Lowry's one back of the lead, and then he always fin- you know finishes third or fourth, but like he's always there. Uh, he's T three. Excuse me. Uh, for, oh goodness! At five I'm boring under. you, Joseph. Um, no, no, you're not. I, just, I know, uh, I know. I, I just know. hit a bad angle. Um, That's all right. T three at five under, alongside Cam Smith, uh, Morikawa solo fifth at four under. Um, you know, I think Collins got all the game in the world, but he might be a bit of a, and it's a term that I don't like, but um, it's used often. He might be a mm. track man golfer. You know, he might be a. When it when you're in a, a, a controlled setting, nobody in the world better. But when the mm-hmm. wind blows a little bit and the elements get going, he not that he goes away, but um, he's not as big of a factor. And I think we saw that on the days that the wind blew, Morikawa struggled. Um, and then on Sunday, goes out there, shoots a 67, and it was um, sort of open for him in scoring conditions. And maybe maybe that's when he's maybe that's when he thrives is in the sunshine and. Mm-hmm. Um, in in those uh, less demanding uh, demanding elements, uh, there he is right there. Will Zalatoris at three under. Corey Connors trending in the right direction, I believe. You know, Corey Connors remind me uh, in our Masters Megapod next year that I need a Corey's Corey Top Connors 10. ticket because I believe I don't have him in front of me, but I believe his Masters finishes for the last like four years were T twelve, T ten, T eight, and T six. So they were talking like, about him on the broadcast quite a bit. I forgot if it was Saturday he when he's making a little trending. run. Yeah, he's he's um, always he's become the new uh, Charlie Hoffman. Like he's just and, always kind of hanging around at the yeah. at, at Augusta. And then you got uh, JT and Sanjay at one under. Only nine golfers under par for the week at Augusta, so a tip of the cap to the course as well. I know the wind did blow and make things a little bit tougher, but uh, it was a proper major test. I think one, that, one, um, one more minor disappointment. Uh-huh. A little disappointment after DJ's first round 69 that he just kind of definitely meh in rounds two and three. He's a guy that can battle the wind a little bit, and I just was a little bit disappointed there, but that's not like that didn't jump out at me. I just, I think I. I expected him with an early tee time uh, on uh, on Friday morning, kind of, of getting out before the weather to go out and put down, put up a low number and kind of give himself a chance to be at the top of the leaderboard going to the weekend. And that just did not happen for him. 
any uh, any broader thoughts, Masters wise? I know I want to I want to make a point about fifteen. I think they've ruined fifteen. Um, that was used to be. We were talking about our favorite holes. That was one of my yeah. favorite holes, the par five. It's just a three shotter now. They made it so yeah. long that it it completely takes the decision out of it. Guys may be going for it, um, and I think it made it a far less exciting. Uh, hole and at that point in the tournament the 15th hole coming down the stretch an opportunity for eagle to be out there but the Mm -hmm. risk reward of you shorting it in the water or long over in the water like just shave the back of that green yeah if you're long you're dead in the water or it's a just a nightmare pitch 40 yards back up the hill and and bring the tee back up like give the guys the opportunity to go for it was such an exciting moment in the golf tournament that they took away by lengthening that hole yeah, that, that could be something that we see in the future that them essentially admit a mistake and come back. But that uh, it, not having, again, Sunday this weekend wasn't very drama-filled, but like not having the opportunity to, to see someone take out a five-wood, take out a hybrid, take out a three-wood, and like, try and go get that green two and go get eagle. It takes a... It, it like takes the drama long, out of the bag. Set it up long one day. Set it up long yeah. two days. But you need to have a tee area, a teeing <laughs> area to bring that back into play. I think yes, that I, I, Sunday that's, would a, that's, be a, the that's a good way to put that. it. Yes. Bump up, bump up the tees on Sunday. Make it a possible two-shot hole. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, what else? Any other any other uh, jump-off-the-page notes that you hear from the, from the 2022 I'm Masters? S- I'm scrolling up? through the leaderboard. Nothing really. Uh, I mean, ha- as always – Hats off as usual to to the Masters broadcast. The mm. uh, obviously CBS does an amazing job. ESPN does a really nice job with it. Masters dot com. I, I don't know whoever it's the best runs website that. In the world. Whoever runs that, I, I doubt <laughs> the, the Masters actually run it themselves. They've clearly outsourced it and just told somebody what they want. How the PGA hasn't followed suit and found the, the exact same system for mm-hmm. all of their majors, I will never understand. Like just from a broadcast standpoint, like me having these post round conversations with our analysts, there's so much information on here that's so useful, like beyond just a leaderboard. It has live scoring averages on every hole mm-hmm. on on live scoring averages by round um, strokes gained. You can get into pretty easily like it is a complete website. You can watch every shot like it is the best website in the world. For I'm going to find fair. myself going to masters dot com and like. August just to just, just cry. It's just to see if it's still there. <laughs> see if the information's still plugged in. Yeah. Uh, but Scotty Scheffler, a worthy champion. The hot streak continues. Happy for the big man uh, who, at 25 years old, appears to have the world on a string. We will see if that uh, if that success continues moving forward. And like you said, at a place that he loves in Southern Hills, but uh, he's got a green jacket forever, and that is. Um, Good for him. No doubt something special. Oh, I I do want to just share apparently, and I know we'll never be privy to it, but apparently Wednesday night or Tuesday night, when do they have the dinner? Tuesday night? Tuesday. Apparently Hideki um, addressed the Masters champions in English. Yeah, for like a three-minute speech or something. It wasn't just like like, a three-minute speech. That – Bubba said had like the room in tears. Yeah. I think that so like just some masters lore and how special this week is to not just the patrons and fans, but to these guys who have won it. Um, Scotty's forever a part of that group and gets to be inside of that. Uh, one of the most prestigious clubs in all the sports. Only 55 men have worn masters green and um, an even smaller number of those men are alive to tell those stories. So it is a, it is a special fraternity, no doubt. Yeah, I want to be a fly on the wall in that. In that <laughs> would be just what's uh, what's 
project the before we move on here. Project the Scheffler menu for me. What no, see, we actually have it. We actually have a mailbag question involving that for next week. So we're going to save okay. that one for next week's mailbag. Mailbag okay. extravaganza. Moose and Runes episode two fifty. We're going That's to project Scotty Scheffler's Masters Champions Dinner menu. So get you wow, get your time. Gonna, take take a week to prepare. Really yeah, learn, Scotty. Uh, get get I'm on Scotty's Wikipedia. Some, see what he likes. See what he doesn't. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some backgrounding here. Maybe yeah. make a couple calls uh, into the uh, Dallas Austin area. Um, there you go. Couple couple Mater D's that call the some call the University of Texas cafeteria. See what it is. <laughs> uh, Matt, uh, quick thoughts here on anything early baseball <laughs> NBA playoffs me. before we say goodbye. Um, Bulls got the worst possible matchup in the first round, so let's get ready for a short series there. Like, here's, uh, here's all I want. Here's all I want. Take one game and make sure Grayson Allen gets hurt. Like, I know yeah, you don't root for injury, but, like, let's, let's muck it up a little bit. Let's, we let's got Tristan them. Thompson for a reason. It's, let's it's, drag well, them down into the mud a little bit here. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, maybe tomorrow <laughs> goes off for 60 at home one day and Giannis has an off night and the Bulls steal one. 111 110 on a buzzer beater maybe that's that's the best case scenario they're just playing for. the worst basketball of anyone in the field yeah, right now it's just not good and it's it's a bad time to be playing your worst and that's just kind of where the bulls at but a success um, of a season ahead of schedule just got to go get a couple more pieces yeah a nice start for the white Sox. Sox yep. look good. they the loss on opening day was not a good one to give up that lead but to see them bounce back play pretty well for two in a row get some good pitching um, lineup looks as dangerous as ever. I, I don't know how much of the those games you watched or if you saw just the highlights or whatnot, but the the younger, like the Roberts and, and Eloy, they're taking, obviously Andrew Vaughn has a pair of home runs. He's been really good. I've been incredibly impressed with the approaches so far by Eloy and Robert. Like they're obviously yeah. high, high, incredibly high caliber hitters and are capable of taking anybody deep. But in years past, we've seen them struggle to lay off sliders and they're chasing everything and they're trying to pull everything, you know, 400 feet out to left field. They've taken the approach this year, especially that maybe the colder weather is a factor, too. But like they're taking what the pitchers are giving them. Like Eloy is going the other way with ground balls up the middle You know, when he got runners on and two out. Like he's not trying to bomb one. He's trying to take what the pitcher gave him. And he had a couple RBI singles go back up the middle. Like Robert's kind of done the same thing. Like he's not trying to hit everything 450 feet to, to center and left. He's done a great job of laying off, you know, sliders away early. He's taken what pitchers are giving him. So I, I've been very impressed early with the professional approach that we've seen from Eloy and Robert that we didn't really see last year. It's it's a positive step in what you'd hope that young hitters like them would take. And then obviously Anderson, Abreu, and all them look really good. Andrew, yeah. don't trade Andrew Vaughn for Frankie Montas. They said they're not <laughs> going to, but don't do that. That would be dumb. Um, but also go get Frankie Montas. Just don't t- trade <laughs> Andrew Vaughn to get him. Um, yeah, kind of tough to see the attrition early on here, but it seems like the depth is really going to be on display for this first month or so, two months. Yeah, Gio, how about Gio on opening day, like throwing That's four tough. amazing innings and is yeah. oh, optimistically going to miss two starts. Oh, great. You, just can't, you just can't trust anything that this training staff is saying. I don't know why something about Chicago sports is that like we get the cagiest um, – information when it comes yeah. to injuries about players like oh we're optimistic about yoan moncada it's gonna be three it's plus three weeks yeah um so and that guy know. has by the way the, the, the i think Gio, moncada but, might have um, the lowest pain tolerance in the history of the world that guy that's is also the, true uh, I, I love um, him but i hate him but i love your point uh, about the young hitters here and young stars and uh aloy and uh and, and luis and you know developing power to all fields and becoming yeah. a complete hitter it, from the place that you already are. Like that's I mean, you look at the Astros. That's the how they did it last year. That's how they've done it. They, they 
They're not trying to bomb everything out. They're taking what pitchers are giving them. They're going the other way. They're going up the middle. They're hitting balls out when, like, the opportunity presents. Like, that's what the White Sox need to be. And you look at that lineup on paper, they have every capability of being that lineup like the Astros were, that where there is just no break. Um, but they need to kind of keep taking those steps. So hopefully they keep doing that. Hopefully Dylan Cease, you know, is is the guy we saw more of on you know his first start where he shut down Detroit and had decent command. That's another guy I need to keep seeing steps from, especially with the the injuries in the rotation right now. But positive first start, you know, first first series for them. Uh, it, it's good good bounce back after the tough opening day loss. Positive start for the Sox. Uh, Cubs seem to have a piece in Seiya. Uh Beyond that, I haven't watched much Cubs baseball. Um, seen some highlights. Um, do you have any? Do you have any overarching Cubs thoughts early on here, Matt? Uh, I honestly, I'm not sure what that first series said more about the Cubs or the Brewers. Yeah, uh, like Corbin Burns and uh, Brandon Woodruff were both really good last year. They obviously didn't look quite as good. Um, and the Woodruff looked terrible. Burns didn't pitch fantastically, not awful either. Uh, not not sure what's that, if that's saying more about the Cubs and the Brewers, but I think the Cubs are going to have at least a better lineup. I think Saya looks like he's an actual like piece, not Stud. just a he's not just like a young guy. They're hoping open comes in from develops. He looks like he's a pro hitter already. So that's yeah. a that's a huge net positive for them. But the Cubs are going to need. Even in that bad division, they're going to need just about everything to go right for them to make a playoff run, and they can do it. Uh, they just they're going to need things to pretty much all go right, stay healthy, have guys over you know or meet expectations. I think my biggest uh, series one observation: the Blue Jays are going to be hard to beat for anybody. I yep. think that that lineup one through nine um, is so nasty. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. The, the whole the AL East is going to be a murderer's row all season long. Um, so come out here. We'll watch some Yankee baseball uh, and uh, have a good time. What do you say, huh, Matt? Let's do it. Baseball's back. Baseball is back. Masters week in the rear view. Uh, but the rest of major season awaits. Uh, before we say goodbye here, Matt, we do have a big episode coming up. 250. Uh, mailbags, quarter, mailbags, quarter, mailbags. Quarter piece. We got the quarter piece coming up uh, next week, whether that be Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we're coming your way with episode 250, a mailbag extravaganza. So send those in. Send in those mailbags this week. Uh, we'll get your questions answered. We'll have a good time with it. You know what we like. You know what we love. A little food talk, a little sports talk, uh, a, a little little hypothetical. Bring it all. Bring it all. We, we love when you guys get involved. And 250 is your episode. Uh, we want to get to as many mailbags as, as we can in that one. But for now, Matt Rooney, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.